Hello, I'm Alex Williams and I work at South Bank Centre, the UK's biggest art centre right here alongside the Thames in London. And hi, I'm Nan Zapolian and I work at South Bank Centre too. We're in the middle of one of our busy cafes, as you can hear. Violet Nights is a real-life forum for online conversations, bringing big ideas and important topics to young people, the sickest guests, and we're so excited to be launching our very first podcast. We've been running Violet Nights monthly for the last few years, and previously we've talked about body politics and social media, the rise of fake news, and how the gaming scene is changing. Tonight we're talking about cancel culture. Nanda, you produced this one. Can you tell us more about what we're discussing? So it's a term you hear all the time and everyone seems to be cancelled at the minute. From problematic faves to insensitive branding and allegations of abuse. But what does it actually mean to cancel your favourite artist, celebrity or brand and how effective is it? And who are we going to hear from? So we've got some really amazing speakers. We've got Toby Oriden, who's chairing the event. So she's a journalist and founder of Black Ballad. I think in the right circumstance, cancel culture is fine. Um, if it's going to change society for the better and be a force for good. We've got Aisha Kambi, who's a fashion stylist, writer and cultural commentator. It can be used for good or for at least productivity, but that's not always the case. We've got Luciana Mazzello, who's a postgraduate student at Westminster University. Her research interests include gender, politics and culture. It is effective and it can be used for good, but I also agree that it's problematic when it just stays in social media. And finally, we've got Imran Morgan, who is a festival producer and creator of the UK's first women's podcast festival, Content is Queen, and host of Wannabe Podcasts. I think for the most part, it's largely detrimental and I think it closes conversations. Please note, this episode contains swearing, so if you're easily offended or if it's not appropriate to listen to right now, please switch off and listen to another episode. So here we go. So the first question I have to the panellists, we'll start this way. Can cancel culture ever be seen as good? Mm-hmm. Who wants to answer that big question? Um, I, I will, I'll go. I think cancel culture is just a, a new way to describe boycott culture. Um, and I think boycotting can be good. It is effective. I think our world mostly only responds to financial matters. Um, I think the problem with cancel culture is when it becomes shaming culture. And that uh, happens way too frequently. But yeah, I think when it comes to um, corporations, companies, uh, people who have been actually violent, you know, physically and, and sexually, I think it, yeah, I think there is um, there's something positive about taking away a platform that can help people potentially harm others. Mm-hmm. Imran? Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there is a line. So when we're cancelling organisations that have been like notoriously racist, which has happened and does happen, I think there's, yeah, there's a difference between when we're cancelling people and cancelling corporations and brands. Okay, I think mm-hmm. where capitalism is rife in this world and I think you, you're right we should be kind of hitting them in the pockets that's where they're going to feel it the most so cancelling H&M for the monkey hoodie situation was probably the right thing to do because their stocks did plummet and they definitely felt that and probably are not going to repeat that again cancelling for life I think is ineffective I don't think mm. it actually provides room for growth so I think while I think there is some value in it to a degree when it like Aisha said when it comes to shaming people, we're actually cutting off the arm when there's just a small cut sometimes. 
Yeah, but we were talking about this before, and it's like there's tons of people around in social media who are famous just, you know, for being haters or for being professional shamers. So that that's why I find conflicting with with cancel culture, and it's the thing that if it's a phenomena based on social media, then social media is what is it's about all individuality, you know. Like sometimes you would, you know, like uh, subscribe to a cause maybe just to gain some, you know, sort of status among your following. And if it's just that, if it's just a thing that occurs online and uh, out of, you know, sort of this individuality, then it cannot lead to social change, you know, because social change must be collective. It must be out, you know, has has to have some sort of physical manifestation in the in the out world. Um, I, I, I won't say exactly who and what, but I'm thinking if you're in the know, you'll probably know. There's a certain podcast I refuse to listen to colorism is a touchy subject for me and it's 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 childhood trauma i guess and teenage trauma and one of the podcast hosts made a joke about um dark-skinned women should be basically abused physically for being dark-skinned and because it wouldn't show up on their skin yeah yeah i remember that it was addressed people tried to address it and he was like no it's a joke it's a joke you lot need to get over it it was the reaction it was like he doubled down on it um, so that's me, and I and I will stand by that cancellation 100%. Yeah, I've definitely cancelled on violence against black women or comments or jokes around it. So R. Kelly is and will always be cancelled. I will not listen to his music. Yeah. Chris Brown, he plays in every club, so club-wise it's really difficult to actually not just like move to a bop every once in a while. But generally speaking, I'm not going to go out of my way to seek out a Chris Brown song. I will not give him streams. I will not give him my money. Is cancel culture just a product of like wokeness? In terms of like this, I suppose, quest, maybe pressure to be morally right all the time, to be seen as morally superior. I know you've spoken about wokeness, Aisha. Mm. Do you think that's true? Do you think it is a product of trying to be so woke? I think wokeness, even in its worst states, is well intended. And I think a lot of these things that I'm not potentially on board with myself or I don't action in my own life are very well intentioned. Um, I think there is something about being on the internet and wanting to be seen as a good person. But I think, um, yeah, most of the world is not on Twitter. Mm. Uh, Most of the world doesn't necessarily have access to the internet in the ways that we do. And so, you know, your activism doesn't have to only exist in that space. And so for me, like I said, I don't really engage with a lot of what people would consider to be pop culture, not necessarily because I'm above it or anything like that, but I don't know, like I try not to listen to any type of um, overly misogynistic, consumeristic, like status quo affirming type music, which is quite popular in many instances because I think it has negative effects uh, in all kinds of capacities. But I don't know. I think, yeah, I would say some elements of cancel culture is a a byproduct of wokeness, but then some of it isn't. I think, you know, some people use Twitter to talk about if they've had a bad experience with a company. It's a place to complain um, and people can get compensated on there, you know, and things like that. But yeah, yeah, there's always in any movement, I think there are always going to be people who use it for what it can do for them. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a movement or group that uh, has an absence of that. Um, so, yeah, I would say it is, but I'd be hesitant to say that's the whole reason why a cancel culture exists. But it's it's trendy. And I think it, the trendiness of woke culture shows in how brands now co-opt social movements to do their ads. 
you know, so think of Gillette, uh, the latest Nike ad of, you know, women and being able to cry and all. So, yeah, it's very profitable also mm. the social movements so i do think that there is an element of of wokeness to to cancel culture and i think that that's that's especially when it becomes problematic mm-hmm. because again it's sort of like trying to portray someone woke and social media and you you unfollow the problematic character and then your job is done but it doesn't go further to to actual social change <laughs> Hi again, back to the Violet Nights discussion in a bit, but before we went on, me and Nanda chatted with the guests backstage where Imriel told us what it feels like to be cancelled. So when our network, uh, the Shout Out Network, um, we had to let go of shows because we lost so much money um, on an event that we did, and we had to let go of shows, and those shows, or some of those hosts, didn't like the way that happened, and went to Twitter and basically made the whole thing very public, and cancelled the network, cancelled, I guess, me by extension, it had a very silencing effect. It like had, it was traumatic. On a pers- people forget on the personal level, there's still people and individuals involved. And to get an onslaught of people that have actually are now taking down your life's work, essentially, it's incredibly silencing. It's incredibly damaging. And I'd say I've actually never recovered online. Personally, I will not express opinions. I'm not, I don't have, I sit on the fence. I don't have outrageous opinions like I used to. The whole experience did teach me a lot about being in business. It taught me a lot about how to handle my business better. Um, It taught me a lot about um, managing people and how to have hard and difficult conversations. No one's seeing that redemption because I'm silenced now. Um, And obviously cancel culture is something that mainly happens online. That's where, you know, the things are called out. But do you think there's space online for redemption culture? Is there space for genuine apologies and for people to make amends? Or does that just get shut down? I don't think online currently there is much space for redemption. I look at um, the woman who plays Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy. She, Ellen Pompeo, I've been watching so much Grey's Anatomy. She tweeted like a brown emoji. that was like because a, a show that was about white supremacists, I think, on CBS was going to air, and they were like, "You shouldn't air this because it's basically giving airtime to racists." And they got cancelled, and she was like, "Yes, we did it." Brown emoji in solidarity for like the show being cancelled, and then used the excuse that she had mixed race kids or something to kind of justify that use. Got called out or technically cancelled for it, and then she's been quite earnest in her pursuit to kind of correct that wrong. Um, She went on the Red Table talk and she's spoken quite openly and honestly about how that affected her life. And I think in that that instance, I'm like, oh, I know some people are like, nah, you were just wrong for life for that. I just can't see a space online where people are actually really willing to engage in forgiveness. I, 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 I haven't seen it happen in, in Twitter space. No, it's not trendy. It's definitely not trendy to, <laughs> to, to want to forgive. Forgiveness is, is on the out. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never heard that story before, but an emoji. We have way too much time on our hands. Way too much. Wow. Can you give us an example of when cancelling someone or a thing, product, brand has been a good thing? So um, I'm from Ecuador and th- this, is, this happened recently and there is a pharmacy called Fibeca that is like Boots here in the UK and they would refuse to sell the emergency contraceptive pill just because, because, you know, obviously religious reasons. And there was such a backlash and such a, you know, sort of cancel culture going around on Twitter that they actually brought the pill to be sold at the pharmacy. So that's 
it, it just, it's important to bring these cases out because it proves that it can be effective and that sometimes it's even necessary that we do engage in these discussions in social media because they, they can actually bring about a small but social change. Because ultimately, it's, it's power in numbers, isn't it? And it's like, it's a lot, social media allows people to connect beyond geographical borders, mm-hmm. beyond, you know, they connect with people they wouldn't interact with in their everyday lives. And that creates a sense of strength and solidarity, which can be a force for good, mm-hmm. but it can also end up in mob mentality, I guess, is the kind of the worst case example of cancel culture. I'm back to the debate now. And here's Ayesha Kambi. The shaming approach doesn't work for me because I, I think it's a lot deeper than that. But yeah, I think we need to, especially where we're in this also era of mental health awareness that people keep talking about as well. Um, and I think if you are going to be on that train, then I think it's also not just looking at what's happened, but why mm-hmm. are these things happening? And that's why I'm interested in power in all of these things and why I try to address the ways that I uh, do or don't value that, in at least in the traditional sense. But yeah, no, I think it's a conversation that is really worth having. You raised an interesting point, though, and I think there's something I want to say. I know we keep talking about Chris Brown, but it's difficult to cancel someone if the person who's actually on the receiving end hasn't cancelled them. And that's the thing that I had with Chris Brown in terms of Rihanna made that... Sh- and I'm not putting on Rihanna, but what I'm saying is she must have seen some personal growth there to go back. So then how can I now sit and say oh, you should be, like, he had done his time, he had been seen to make an effort, and I think it's quite difficult for everyone else now to say that Chris Brown should stay cancelled when the person who was actually tugged and affected didn't want that. And I think that's just an interesting area of cancellation in terms of that it can affect an individual, but as a society, we say we're not forgiving that person, but the individual who was actually personally affected has forgiven them. I think it's just a very, it, it, it poses a very interesting question for me Nonetheless, I, I, I disagree though, because with domestic violence, it's a unique thing. So, yeah. with domestic violence, women tend to make excuses for the men. They tend to get, not report. Mm. Uh, it's largely underreported. We don't know if that's the first time he's ever put hands on her. Yeah, that's just the course. first time we saw it. Um, and we don't know. Her returning is actually just very characteristic of domestic violence mm-hmm. cases. So, I think her not doing it isn't indicative of his redemption or him being a better person. I think it's indicative of how tragic emotionally um, and mentally yeah. domestic violence is and actually it probably did was the collective actually that probably prevented that relationship from flourishing like okay. people okay. were on her case very publicly like you can't go back there and she did and then they subsequently broke up and they've never been together since yeah. um, and I think it did take the public really being like no no sis this ain't it this ain't it no no I hear you but it's just a yeah. question for me though but when the individual's affected and they're deciding it's not cancelled is it our place to get involved and say like don't get me wrong for a place of protection I definitely hear you yeah. but I do think it's an interesting question and dilemma of who has the right to cancel who I think I think that's interesting because a lot of the time victims of all types of abuse whether that's someone who's suffered a murder in their family you know a lot of the ways that victims come to some form of healing and peace in themselves is via forgiveness you know like that happens to be a way that a lot of people have to process and let go so it does then become I think you're right an interesting question when this is what the victims have had to do to kind of move on with their lives Um, so who do we become you know we want to keep them in that place yeah when you know when even the person who's been most affected Mm. by this situation Um, because I'm sure a lot of the people who've suffered 
being a victim in many different ways don't necessarily want to see, I imagine, at least some of the people that I know and at least some of the experiences that I've had, um, don't necessarily want to see that person jobless mm. uh, or maybe destitute or maybe on the verge of suicide or any of those things or maybe even publicly shamed. Mm. Maybe they just want an apology directly, yeah. not even to the world, mm. just an absolute apology of an acknowledgement of what they've done and how they've affected someone. Um, raise your hands up if you have a question or comment. So, gentlemen in the grey. Does anybody think that indirectly cancel culture kind of perpetuates an idea that we are perfect because fair enough maybe not all of us have raped people or beaten up women or something but i think indirectly kind of tells us that oh we're perfect we're holier than thou what you've done is so bad and like we're putting you in a box and you have to stay there yeah it definitely does but he without sin should cast the first stone Mm -hmm. and i'm not even religious but i don't believe we should be throwing around judgments like you said it makes people defensive actually the first thing people do when they feel judged or attacked is to get defensive it doesn't move the conversation forward it actually just makes people double down and get more entrenched in their point of view and their perspective so if we have nothing in our closet then sure if you really feel like there's not, no dirt on you by all means say what you got to say but the reality is we've all done questionable problematic or said something really suspect probably when we were like 20 21 the things i used to think when i was 21 were outrageous the things i used to think last year were outrageous like we're all growing and evolving so no one is perfect but yes i think cancer culture is giving people this kind of moral superiority and like thinking, yeah. oh, I'm better than you. Um, I believe this, I listen to this. I Therefore, I'm a better person. Mm. Um, and that's kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to the amazing panellists. Thank you so, so much. So that is the end of our first Fight Nights podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something new. Remember to hashtag Fight Nights or at Southbank Centre on socials to tell us what you think or if it's something that's affected you. You can also visit Southbank Centre's website for more information on Fight Nights, events in the future. And if you fancy coming on to one, it's all free. Yeah, it'll be brilliant if you could catch our next episode, Children of the Windrush, looking at how the so-called Windrush scandal is affecting the next generation. Please subscribe and write us a review. We'd love to know what you think. This episode was produced by Phil Brown and the deck produced by Crystal Genesis. I'm Nan Napoleon. And I'm Alex Williams and we'll be our hosts. Until then, bye. Laters.